Where does the germination of evil begin? Is it nature versus nurture, or does evil find a way no matter what your circumstances? Tonight, we discuss possession from a unique perspective with one of NYPD's finest as he squares off against evil in every form. Chris DeFlorio and his wife, Harmony, and their nonprofit, Office of Demonic Investigations. That's the topic tonight on the show. They run in where others flee. Stay tuned as we discuss some spine-chilling experiences from the inside of exorcisms. Here on the best in paranormal programming, this is the Paranormal 60 with Dave Schrader. I'm not gonna stand here and listen to this baloney. He won't know. He doesn't stand for baloney. Sounds like a lot of supernatural baloney to me. Supernatural, perhaps. Baloney, perhaps not. I'm getting tired of living, Sam. I'm tired of keeping the devil for my friend. I want so badly to be set free. Oh, Jesus, please. Chris DeFlorio and his wife Harmony say their nonprofit Office of Demonic Investigations grew out of their New York City homeless ministry, Seek and Save Outreach. They are in such demand that at times they find themselves booked months out, but they don't shy away from bringing help, delivering the suffering and helping face evil head on. Joining me tonight on the show, we are lucky enough to have this husband and wife team. Thank you so much for joining us, Chris and Harmony. Thanks for having us, Dave. Thank you. Hello. It's good to have you. Uh, I'm getting that weird echo, so if you guys can work your magic while I get set up here. Uh, we started talking on the show a few weeks ago, um, and your story came up regarding the case that you had done in Connecticut. And we had a very um, interesting dynamic from the listeners. They were blown away. A lot of them hadn't heard this story and wanted to know more about it, so that's why I reached out and wanted some more insight. So if you could start off a little bit with um, kind of how you got involved in that case, what brought you to it, and just kind of give us a little bit of the the flavor of what was going on in Connecticut. Sure. Well, I remember, you know, it's interesting because you've seen the horror movies, you know, you get the call late at night. Well, this was about midnight, and I got a call from the victim's sister in Oklahoma. And she called, and she said that my sister is having a demonic activity in her home. You know, can you help her? And then she sent me over all these crazy pictures uh, of, of demonic sigils and, and all these, you know, uh, crazy markings they had in the house. So I reached out and I spoke with uh, the victim. And, um, you know, she had a, a very, very uh, telling story. Um, she moved into the house and um, she started hearing noises in the attic. Now, she was never, she never entered that attic the entire time she lived in that home, which mm -hmm. is very, you know, it's a very dangerous thing to do if you don't know your home. So what happened is she starts hearing the, this banging and walking around the attic one night and she smartly and wisely takes out her camera and she starts to film what's going on. And she said, we actually, we have that clip. Yeah. Let's show the, uh, the audience that. I actually thought maybe it was an intruder. You know, and I was here in the house alone. So in case I was going to be murdered, I wanted some kind of evidence, right? So I took my phone. Either I am going insane or something's happening here. Yeah, I mean. Listen, Chris, doing what I've done for 17 years and hosting the show and meeting people out in the field, I hear a lot of stories. And, and when you get in there, the banging, the cracking, the crazy noises that they're hearing are nothing like yeah. what they claimed when you get in. She's got that audio. That's, I mean, it sounds like something's tearing at the wood from inside the attic. What was your initial reaction? Well, I'll tell you, that was only a couple of seconds of what she had. She had maybe a good half hour 
back and forth. She had five or six videos. So you had a lot of a lot of evidence right off the bat. And this is what I call a textbook case, because it's like, you know, you're saying you go into a lot of cases and, you know, the people hear things. Maybe they don't have it recorded right off the bat. You know, we have evidence that there's something, you know, supernatural going on in that attic. There's no one up there. There's no animals up there. Um, so we knew that we, we had something. Um, but I'll tell you, the most emergent part of the case wasn't that because you do get your cases, you know, you get your, your infestation, you have, you know, a door slamming, you have footsteps around the house. What I didn't know until I spoke with her was something that, uh, even was not on the news was that she had a four, she has a four year old, uh, granddaughter mm -hmm. that she was caring for and, uh, th the child has special needs. Now, what was happening over this, this time they were in the house is that um, it was developing some kind of relationship with whatever entity was in that house. And she had plenty of video evidence of that, too. So when we heard that, you know, usually I'll, I'll take sometimes uh, two weeks to get to a case because, you know, the cop doesn't come out of you. You want to research, you want to investigate, do all these checks. Right. Um, and I still got a lot done in one week until we got to the weekend. But my wife and I decided, you know, we got to get over there because now it's it's no longer just an infestation. Now it's trying to uh, develop some kind of attachment with the child. And, you know, we know how dangerous that is because, you know, a demon's a bully. You know, it goes after the, the weakest vessel. It goes after a child who doesn't know any better. And that's really what, you know, led us over there so quickly. All right, Harmony, I need to hear from you on this. When Chris starts playing you this evidence, is this one of the cases where you're like, let's go get him? Or are you like, oh, man, I forgot I've got to take my sister to the pedicure place. I don't know. I, that to me is like one of those, you know what, Chris, I might sit this one out. You go check it out, and then I'll come a little bit later. No, no. I um, I definitely wanted to go with him right away. I mean, these this this child, this I mean, who was really just a, a baby, really, was – becoming attached to this entity it was it had drawings of what it looked like was talking to it um was had a name for it had a name for it was basically um saying captain howdy Cap no <laughs> no can i can i say the name and name you can say the name she gave it yeah and she she had a special name for it called a michelle okay yeah a special name for it and, um, you know, was telling us what it looked like, had conversations with it. And, um, I mean, so it, it definitely was communicating with this. Now, did, did you guys go girl. in on the first uh, attempt to try to clear it? Or were you more about, let's, uh, let's see how this plays. Let's, uh, you know, we're going to come back. We're going to do a little bit more investigating. What? Well, well, you know, what was interesting was before we got there, so we did a lot of background checking. And, you know, again, this textbook case I feel we had, we had this, the demonic sigils right before we even got there. So we researched them and we, we tracked them to uh, a 17th century uh, demon. Okay, now this demon, I, I guess it, it would go back earlier in time, but this is when it was started. To, it was known by folklore. And we got a lot of information from that. So what we did was then... You know, it's a very interesting story. The, the, the owner of the house, before this, the victim moves in, uh, the neighbor's state was a witch. So that's what, now, now you're putting pieces together. You have these demonic sigils. You have, they're saying she's a witch. Um, so we start looking up who she was. And without saying too much, because I really don't want to give acknowledgement to, to this demonic entity because he doesn't deserve it. The background of this woman that lived there, her, her Facebook profile, um, a statue she had on the front lawn was the exact image that represents this demon. Mm. So you put the sigil, you put all that evidence together. Now we kind of know what we're dealing with going in, what demon we're dealing with. And, you know, we look him up and he's a, I don't want to say too much. He's, he's a certain president of hell. He has, you know, 36 legions behind him. So you kind of get yourself ready because you know you're going into battle, you know? So we kind of, you know, we went there and, and we had all our equipment. You know, we use the same equipment that, uh, you know, paranormal investigators use. We want to look around. We want to listen. We want to, uh, we set up all gear. And um, 
we didn't know what to expect at that time, if we were going to just do an investigation or if we we're going to do that and then the exorcism. Now, I, I will want to discuss the difference between an exorcism on a person and a location. Yeah. And does it have to be, um, do, do you have to do both? Is it kind of a, a joint venture? So we'll talk about that in a few seconds. Um, did she, obviously she went up into the attic eventually because that's where all the sigils were. What I'm hearing thumping and banging, whether I believe it's a demon or a rabid raccoon, I'm not going up there right away. I mean, what finally got her to open that door and go check it out? Well, her, her two sisters came over. So the one flew okay. in all the way from Oklahoma. And then she had another sister in Connecticut as well. The three of them went up there. And when, as soon as they went up there, you know, they were amazed. They saw uh, the sigils, salt circles, um, other paraphernalia, and, you know, they were blown away. And um, that's when the phone call came out to us, as soon as they saw that. Important lesson, folks. If you're buying a home, and this is the market where everybody's buying homes, don't give up looking up in the attic and in the basement or the crawl space. Always just give that a little quick peek, because there are a lot of these cases that we've heard over the years that end up falling in this and people just didn't go in and examine it. It's a part of your home. You have to know what's there, what's been there and what you're dealing with. Now you actually, we've got a, a piece of footage from when you went into the home and you were looking at these pieces and then tried to do battle. Well, not tried, but you, you tried to exercise this location and uh, the audio captured on this is, is pretty chilling. Let's go ahead and play that. Certain sigils uh, on the walls and on the floor. We knew they painted over them already. The DeFlorios decided to attempt an exorcism. We began the prayers in the attic because this was the place of the uh, the most frequent activity. DeFlorio says as soon as he began the ritual, the air started to stink and a groaning sound filled the attic. Luckily, the family was wise and had a camera going downstairs as well. It took a few more visits and a few more blessings before the DeFlorios declared their work on the house finished. Bosanto says it was like night and day from when she was scared to leave her bedroom. Dude, that sounded like a Wookiee up there chanting away. And if I could get you to do me a favor, just turn the volume down on your speakers a little bit, because I think that's where we're getting some of the reverb coming back. Um, yeah. That was that growling happening while you were up there. Could you hear it around you, or was it just inaudible? The recorder was picking it up. Um, we could, and we we weren't a hundred percent sure what it was. Yeah. And every time we were praying, it mm -hmm. was going off, and it kept trying to distract. It us. was in sync with the prayer the, the entire the time. Prayer. And when we stopped, and we yelled down to the family, it stopped. When we started up the prayer again, started right up. So I'll tell you, this woman right here, amazing, because I, I was like, what the hell was that? You know, what, what's going on? And she's like, keep going. You know, keep, I thought she was going to jump out. the. I figured she'd jump out the bottom of the attic right down the hole. And that's where I saw her with this woman right here. My wife's tough as nails. She was so strong. Yeah, that thing is, I mean, you're hearing the banging, the scratching, and then that. It's like yeah. you've got a bear up there that you're wrestling with. That's how loud and obnoxious that was. Yeah, I, I give you a lot of credit. All right, so you go in, you square off. Was it a one and done? Were you able to exercise that house? It, it took about it, uh, three or four times. It took about, yeah, yeah three like three more times. It, it would calm down for a little. Calm down, yeah. And then she'd call back, and she had, you know, she had an instance where she woke up in the morning, and she had three, I would say, claw marks cut, like, cut through the pillow. On one of our pillows so you know when you're doing something like this it, it could a lot of things can happen it could be quiet for it could be gone or quiet for a couple of days and then come back um and that's what was happening you know and again we were, we were still very concerned about the young girl um that you know because she kept talking about you know why is this in the house she was talking about things she shouldn't be talking about at that age so we knew something is still going on in that house so who was, of the two of you, which one had the initial interest or fascination in the supernatural that made it worth looking into and examining these cases? <laughs> yeah, Chris. it was me. Uh, okay. you know, I've been a street person for about 13 years, you know, getting involved on, on with the homeless and, and seeing, you know, 
Sometimes. Right. Now let's define when you say a street person, it doesn't mean you were homeless on the street. You were, <laughs> <No>. <laughs> you gotta clarify people. Remember, we've got a lot of white bread people listening to the show. Who go, oh, I didn't realize this police officer was homeless at the time. No. So you, you were working the street, you were helping the homeless, you were doing yeah, this yeah. part of that community yeah. and, uh, and having these experiences. And did you have a paranormal belief before you started these encounters like had you had things happen in your youth or did it only occur as an adult you know it never happened i never had a paranormal experience per se as, as, a, as a youth you know when you're involved because what i am is a religious demonologist so mm -hmm. you know you have it's it's through the the biblical eyes the biblical worldview so i always had that that understanding the big one of the big moves the big moments i would say was i went to africa and uh you know i was also a missionary and that's where I saw a possessed man, you know, face to face, saw the eyes, saw the evil behind the eyes. That's what launched me into the entire, you know, this, this entire movement into the paranormal and getting involved. And, you know, you start reading the books, you're watching the shows, and now you're in a whole different world. You know, you're really stepping into a different world. And um, then about the family, you know, what happened? Well, we took our daughter to um, Sweet 16 her and three of her friends in um, Florida, a D Disney World uh, like resort. Mm -hmm. And uh, the hotel happened to be haunted. And Chris had a dream. Are you sure you weren't just in the haunted mansion at Disney World? <laughs> <laughs> Let me tell you, this is the last place you would think. The last place you would think. Haunted. And uh, Chris actually had a dream actually before we went. Yeah. Like a premonition or something like that. Right. And... Um, I told him, he told me about the dream, and I just actually told him, I said, you should bring your holy water. She goes, you better water. bring holy water. That's what she said. It was, yeah. which I don't even know where that came from. It was just, I, I have no idea. And um, that's where I actually performed my first, uh, you would say, like a room exorcism, house exorcism. That was the first time. Yeah. Because it was, you know, do or die. You got the kids here. I'm watching, you know, it's funny because I'm taking other police officers' kids with us. You know, and I'm like, you know, they're like, oh, you know, we, we know they're safe with you. And, you know, now you're there and you got you got some kind of spirit running around the room. You're like, holy shit. You know, I got this. I got these kids. So now you got to do something. So that was the first time I, I did it. And yeah. Uh, it was, yeah. It was so as you're, as you're throwing the holy water, are you hearing, oh, stop it. It burns. You know, I didn't hear a peep. It was amazing because <laughs> really? it was midnight. Mm -hmm. I gotta tell him you were snoring in the other room. Yeah. I'm running That's around the joint friend. room. The kids are at the pool, and I'm going. Am I out of my freaking mind? <laughs> you know, I'm staying away from the balcony. <laughs> I'm like, you know, it was the first time. It was comical, but you know, it, it worked out well. Uh, shut everything down, and you know, we actually stayed there two more nights, and it was fine. <laughs> All right, so you have this weird experience for yourself. It you saw this in Africa and it's funny how many people I've spoken to that started off as missionaries that had their first encounter with the demonic, with the truly possessed. Why do you believe that it's in a lot of these third world countries and things that people are so easily accessible to the demonic realm? Well, there's a couple of theories. Um, you know, I, I heard it said best by a, uh, a Catholic demonologist, and he, there's a couple of things, that, and you know, again, you know, when it's coming through the biblical worldview that I'm that that I believe, you know, they say when you're bringing the gospel, and all these missionaries, what they're doing is bringing the gospel into these countries. Right. So when you when they're bringing the gospel into the countries, that's when you're seeing a lot of demonic activity. So it's it's a theory, you know. Um, there's many, 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 you know, different ways that this will happen. Um, you know, different. Uh, religions, different beliefs, different activities. Right. Um, you know, you have so nobody is really immune. There is nobody that's immune to the demonic realm. Yeah, I, I don't believe so. I think, you know, I personally, I think it comes, to, you know, down to faith. You have to have a strong faith, but um, there are a lot of ways it can get in. You know, through through curses, through uh, you know um, objects, right? Mm. Lots of ways, and like you said, I mean. I think the demonic, they're not a respecter of persons. They'll go after anybody. There was a, a recent article out there. Burnt out Catholic exorcists are complaining that they face long lines of possessed people 
but very little support from their diocese and their bishops. There is an overwhelming preponderance of people dealing with dark afflictions. Is this a surprise to you or no, because you see this on the daily? It doesn't surprise me at all. I actually read that article yeah. and uh, I couldn't agree more. I mean, it's happened to us. Mm-hmm. We're out here alone. Um, the church we even go to, uh, I can't even tell the, the priest because they will not support it. They don't want to get involved in it. And that's only one church. There are a lot of churches, a lot of people that um, they don't want to get involved mm-hmm. in, in this, this, you know, this realm, this, you know, helping. But you know what? You, you take the Connecticut case and you have you have this 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 grandmother and her four year old uh, granddaughter. How don't you run over there? How do you right. leave them? You know, and uh, this is what we, we've given our life to. This is, you know, uh, God willing, I'll be retiring in a few months and it's going to be full time. When you're preparing for a case, does the dark manifestation start to try to affect you or harmony before you even maybe even get the phone call? Oh, Oh, absolutely. We've had uh, many things happen in our home. Like sometimes we'll have arguments, uh, even on the way driving to uh, wait a minute. Wait, a New York couple has arguments? <laughs> I, I knew you said something for that. Come on, Italian? Come on. Italian? Here we go. You're going to find this hard to believe, but sometimes we have arguments. <laughs> no, but you had activity in the oh, house. Well, had activity. Yeah. I've had a, um, my, my table. Well, I, I do joke. I, I want to hear that in one second. I, I don't want to make it sound like I was being dismissive. No, but what, what she's referring to as well, folks, is that People, and we get these kind of claims in the paranormal field, even with just the spiritual realm, ghosts, people will take over a new house. They get along great. They're loving couple, happy couple. They get in and an energy shift takes place and they start fighting and bickering. And they realize it's almost like they're outside of themselves seeing this fight. And they're like, I don't know why I'm having this fight. Yeah, right. uh, so that that I understand is what you were going at more. Yes, not, right. that, not trying to That's make what, light of it. But I, apologize. You know, but I, I got what you were saying. It's funny. Right. Um, <laughs> but I've. We were. I have a table with like a runner on, and I have like picture frames of like all my all the kids' graduation pictures and everything. And one time I was under it, and I was cleaning it, didn't touch the table, nothing, and everything just fell completely off of it, completely off of it, right on top of it. And I'll tell you, that's been a very uh, big key for us as well of what's a real case, because we know when something like that's happening. I mean, we've had we've had a situation where we were doing a, a video. I was doing video calls to Vermont back and forth, and we started to have really bad activity in the house. And one day we were doing a Zoom call with a couple of people we were uh, having a conference call with about the case, and one of them was a psychic, and she's is a friend of ours. She's looking through, and as I'm talking, she's texting on a phone saying, "That same demon from Vermont is right behind you right now, listening to everything you're saying." Yeah. Yeah. No joke. That's yeah, weird right. because, yeah. honestly, Chris, I was about to ask you, have you ever run into the same demon at different cases? Well, that one for sure. Yeah. In, in, in Vermont. But in other cases, I, I really haven't tied, you know, the same exact demon, same I would say, to to another case yet. There's so many. I mean, well, just, when you know. When you eject them, people want to know. So. Chris DeFlorio goes in the house with the, with his wife. They do this prayer, this blessing, this ceiling, and out goes the demon. Sh- should somebody go knock on the neighbor's door, like the, uh, you know, and, and let somebody know, like, you know, hey, we have a sexual predator. I live in the neighborhood. Should you be like, I just booted a demon out of this house. So if anything happens to spill out onto your property, give us a call. You see a lot of for sale signs probably in the neighborhood. Uh, we actually. Where we does did, it we, go? When you boot them out, where do they go? Well, we go by the, what the Bible says, and it says that they go wandering the earth looking for a new place to go. Mm. You know, we don't know. You know, when we're doing the prayer, part of the prayer is right. leave uh, harming no one along the way. Right. You know, go to where you're sent to go. So we that's that's part of the prayer as well, because, right. I mean, we, we did one uh, about a month ago. And when I finished the last line, remember the dogs? Oh, the dogs, yeah. All the dogs in the neighborhood and the birds. started going crazy. The birds downstairs started going crazy. And she walked into the hall, and the dog there was growling like you couldn't believe. We yeah. got that all on video. And every time we went out that yeah. di- that day. Yeah. So we were sending it out. Yeah. Like, as soon as we finished, we knew it left that house. It left the room it was in, and the neighborhood dogs were, you know, were going wild. I don't know if you guys are able to hear that. 
Now, there are nights that my cat seems to find the catnip wherever we've hidden it, and he'll start freaking out. But as you started talking about that, my cat is standing over by my door, and he just turns and looks at me. And as you say, they start freaking out, the birds, the dogs. My cat just starts going, Oh, yeah. And it's staring at me. And I'm, now I'm like, what the hell's behind me? Oh, it's um, yeah. Yeah. Either that or high. I can't tell if he got into the catnip again or not. These these kids. Oh. Uh, and I'm not making light. I mean, I don't know if you guys heard it. Uh, I, I had to mention it because if I don't, listeners that did are going to be like, when you were when he said the animals were going nuts, dude, there was some kind of demonic screech in the back. Oh, it's demonic screech. It's just my idiot cat, though. Um, and he won't stop staring at me like just so I'm a little uh, little perplexed. Um, all right. I, I, I've got so many questions, Chris. I, 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 in harmony, I, I apologize for throwing some of these in his direction. But being the fact that no, he's law enforcement. You know, my dad is a cop. My bio dad is a, a former cop uh, from philly um and i've got other relatives that are you know in the police and and have worked in that field and they're very pragmatic very logical based right and but they also believe in gut instinct they believe that they get a spidey sense that tingling that lets them know something is off so they you know my my bio dad happens to be a firm believer in the supernatural as well but is it tough to kind of divorce yourself from everything has to be logical and linear to being open to the fact that not everything's going to make sense when you're dealing with the supernatural? That actually, that, that was a little problem in the beginning because I, when, when I'm starting, you know, I, I get the call comes in. I, I really do it just like a police officer. You know, I even have forms set up just like them that I made up. I want all the information. I want the medical history. I, I go through everything. I'm also a paramedic. So I go through the whole medical history of the people. And sometimes, you know, you do sit there, you know, you'll have some activity and you maybe I'll focus too much on trying to see if it's if it's not real. If some if some, maybe somebody's doing something behind the scenes instead of jumping into it like head first. Well, right. Right. I so mean, well, we did have one yeah, case right. like that. Yeah. So mm. once you see that, now maybe even during the case, you're trying to set them up to see if they're going to make the same thing happen because you weren't in the room when it happened. So like I was saying earlier, that, that police instinct, the training, you know, all the years on the streets, it doesn't leave you. And, but, but I think it could be a good thing too, if you balance it out correctly, because I am a very firm believer in the, in the supernatural. So you, you put it together. How, and I think you get a good investigation. I'm, I'm friends with a lot of cops that are paranormal investigators on the side, but man, do they keep a low profile? low profile and their fear has always been i don't want to be the guy that has to go to court for this drunk driver or this criminal and have the defense attorney start going so uh <laughs> officer uh, deflorio you you chase ghosts on your part-time side right uh, so do you believe it i mean trying to discredit you is that a fear that you have have you had to deal with that it's not like you're hidden you're on the news you're, right. you're being talked about you've got this ministry that that helps people yeah how does it impact your work in law enforcement? Well, I'll say that I had no choice in that because that story was first leaked by a third party. And so I, was, I wasn't going to come out. And the way it came out is actually the, my, the police precinct I work in was haunted. A couple of officers got assaulted by, by a spirit. And it's a very long story. But, yeah, I had, to, I had to do an exorcism in the precinct. And that happened. I kept that quiet for about two years. I never said a word. And somebody leaked it to the news. The next thing I know, we wake up. I'm on the front page. And what was I? I'm driving around one o'clock in the morning saying, I got to quit my job now. I said, I can't go to work. I said, you got to be kidding me. Right. So, um, but now actually I'm lucky right now because I'm off the street. You know, I'm, I'm very close to retirement. So they're kind of doing the right thing. You know, I'm the, I'm the old guy. They call me some, some of the cops call me dad. So, you know, I don't have to worry about that too much. So I'm very lucky. So you're at that stage where you're like, I'm too old for this shit, right? You're pulling <laughs> yeah. the Danny Glover now? <laughs> yeah, Murtaugh, right? <laughs> I got it. Yeah, right. Now, you, you can't, by, by the way, we're coming up to a commercial break, but I'm going to let you know you're not off the hook. I like a good defense attorney. You don't just get to walk away from, yeah, our precinct was haunted and I had to do an exorcism, but that's a long story because we've got 30 more minutes to cover here, Chris. So I'm fine with a long story, as are all of our listeners. And if I don't go after that, 
and know a little bit more. And I understand you might not be able to give names or more right. specifics, but if you do it, it would be great. Uh, let's, let's do this. We're going to take a break. We'll hear more about this. We'll discuss more of your work in this field and <laughs> what it's like to face off against evil, true evil. How can we help people when we can't even see what it is that we're fighting against? We'll talk about that and more when we return right here on the Paranormal 60. Today's episode is brought to you by BetterHelp. What's the first thing that you'd do if, say, you had an extra hour in your day? Would you go for a run? Maybe take a nap, read a book, or just show up for a friend? A lot of us spend our lives wishing we had more time. And the question is, time for what? If time was unlimited, how would you use it? The best way to squeeze that special thing into your schedule is to know what's important to you and make it a priority. Therapy can help you find what matters to you so you can do more of it. If you're like me, you think, I can get through a lot. And we can. We're a resilient species. However, there are times that we need to reach out that hand and get a little help from somewhere else. That's what I did with BetterHelp. When I reached that limit and I realized things were getting a little bit out of control, instead of taking it out on my family or taking it out on myself, I just decided to reach out and get the help that I deserve. So if you're thinking of starting therapy, give BetterHelp a try. It's entirely online and it's designed to be convenient, flexible, and suited to your schedule. Just fill out a brief questionnaire to get matched with a licensed therapist and switch therapists at any time for no additional charge. Learn to make time for what makes you happy, my darklings. Get BetterHelp. Visit BetterHelp.com P60. Do that today. You're going to get 10% off your first month. That's BetterHelp, H-E-L-P dot com slash P60. It's time to take control of your life. Dave's here rooting you on, and if I can do this, you can do this. Let's do this together. BetterHelp.com slash P60. There's a link for it on today's program guide. Early this morning When you knocked upon my door Early this morning When you knocked upon my door And I said, hello, Satan, I believe it's time to go. I believe it's time to go. That's what you got to do when you have the devil in your life. Get rid of them. There's no time to negotiate with these guys, folks. They're not going to make your life better. If they tell you they are, it's just a trick. How many movies do you have to see before you start to realize this? I welcome back our guests, Chris and Harmony DeFlorio, as we talk about the strange, the supernatural, and their work in uh, helping to exercise people from the demonic realm. Let me pull up a couple of these other photos we've got from, uh, listen, you've been outed. Chris, there's no hiding now. There you are. Get your exercise. <laughs> Finest boots, demons in his spare time. Oh, look who else made it into this one. Harmony's there catching ghosts and crooks. NYPD veteran spends spare time getting rid of annoying demons. And then fighting Satan is my higher calling, according to the Finest. Real-life Ghostbuster reveals his path to becoming a demonologist. All right. I, I, certainly, if you don't want to talk about this, if you just say, I prefer not to go any further, that's fine. Um, Ralph Sarchi, I've spoken to years ago on the show, is also, uh, I believe, a New York police or was a New York police officer who deals with this uh, demonic realm. Have you and Ralph worked together or crossed paths? Uh, we haven't worked together. When I, when I was first learning, he would give classes and I would take his own, you know, his uh, live streaming classes. Uh, we had a conversation on the phone um, recently. Nice guy, you know, you know, tried to give me a lot of wisdom really quick. Because, you know, he knows I'm out here on my own. And it's good, you know, that brotherhood uh, police mm -hmm. officers is somebody I trust right off the bat. And, uh, yeah, so, you know, we had a nice conversation. Well, people are interested and they're looking for help and maybe just insight on what they can do in their own area. New York Demonic Investigation. That's New York Demonic Investigation. We will have a link up for your Facebook page and any other links you want me to provide so that people can find you. And I know you can't make yourself available all around the United States and around the world to go out and exercise these locations, but 
um, are you willing to at least kind of advocate for people, talk to them, talk them through what they're doing and maybe how they can get rid of these things on their own? Oh, yeah, yeah. We, we speak to a lot of people. Uh, we get a, two or three calls a day. And we actually, we, we will be traveling. Uh, we have a case waiting in Haiti, uh, a voodoo case right now, Barbados, uh, and a, a few around the country. So it, it's tough right now. You know, like, like you were saying earlier, we have people waiting, uh, unfortunately, like five months right now. Mm. Um, but we do travel, you know, when we, when we can. And we do, you know, get on the phone a lot and maybe help people work through it or send them to somebody in their local area. I know being an investigator and going into some locations where it's believed to have darker manifestations, the demonic or something malevolent. I'm always a lot more cautious with Cindy, my, my partner, you know, Cindy Kaza, the investigator in, in a medium. And sometimes it's hard to divorce yourself from that fact of this is somebody I care about and as a friend and also an investigator. Is it hard for both of you to rectify that at times because you worry about the other person? Do you ever have to, and, and how do you, how do you kind of break that mold so you can focus on the moment and not on each other? Chris, why don't you start with that? If you don't mind. Yeah. Uh, it, it is something I'm always thinking about because it, it's just harmony and I working on the cases. You know, once in a while we'll have a third person when, when he's available, but the majority of the time, um, you know, now we use, I have walkie talkies just if we, we split up from a room, but you know, it, it's your wife, you know, it, so it's, it really takes on a whole, whole nother life that I, you know, you know, the whole calling to protect your wife. Now we're going into a demonic, uh, you know, demonic house and, you know, it, it is always on my mind. Um, you know, we recently we had a case where she started getting sick last week. She was getting nauseous. She, was, she couldn't stand. So now, you know, I got to help her sit down. I have to watch over her. And even, even the victim was getting sick. So, you know, it, it is trying sometimes because I do worry about her. Harmony, you've got a double-edged sword here. You've got a husband who's been a law enforcement official, which is scary enough, worrying, is this guy coming home tonight? And now on his off nights, he's out fighting the devil. I mean, does does that that's gotta wear you out? Well, that's why I started going with him, actually. He started this going alone, the the demonology, you mm -hmm. know, on cases, and he came home so anxiety-ridden, and it just was you know, it just took such a toll on him that I I knew he just shouldn't be going alone. So I went with him on a case and uh, I started to really kind of like this. And I, I realized that I could do this with him. And I felt like it brought our marriage closer and we just got like a better bond. And I didn't want him to do this alone anymore. And then this is, it just became another part of our ministry. Yeah. So. Honey, honey, we're going to cancel dancing for couples and we're just going to go into demonology. <laughs> see, now she'll see this. It's a much smoother transition. I, I appreciate that. That's uh, you, you work and you've seen a lot dealing with the homeless. People are very easy to excuse and throw away those people and, and blame things on mental deficiencies or mental issues, which I'm sure there are plenty of. But are you finding both of you that sometimes this mental issue makes them vulnerable for to be prey for the darker forces, knowing that nobody's going to believe them and, and they can work these people like an agent? Yeah, absolutely. Yes. Because that, that's a very tricky part of, the, of this of this job is that you have to decide for the mental illness. Um, but then, like you said, now they prey on the weak. They prey on people with mental illness. Uh, I think I read one of the Catholic exorcists wrote that 25% of the people in, in the mental institutions yeah. are demonically possessed yes. and nobody even knows it. So it, it's a very, very, you know, um, and that's why even on our, you know, we ask the people through their medical history, have you seen a doctor? What medication are you taking for, for right. any kind of mental illness? Not to judge them because we want to know if they're at more of a disadvantage. And, right. and what we have right. now, we have to step up and, and help them a little more. So, yeah. yes. Because they, they, obviously, the devil does prey on the weak. Yeah. We know right. this. I, I had a, a really bizarre experience probably a decade ago. Uh, and I was in New York City. Um, 
and I had a $20 bill on me. There was a guy panhandling, looking for help for food. I reached in my pocket and I handed him the 20. And as I took about a step or two away, I very, very clearly heard this male voice go, you think that's going to save you? So I kind of whipped around like, what the hell does that mean? And he whipped around and looked at me and he said, what the hell does that mean? (laughs) And I said, I didn't say that. I thought you said that. That's why I turned around to figure out. And he just got this shocked look on his face. And there was this moment like, oh, my God, you heard it, too. As Mm -hmm. though he'd been hearing these voices for a while. And this is the first time somebody shared in that moment. So I don't know what happened. I don't know if it was toying with me, toying with him, and I just happened to be tuned in at that moment or what occurred. But it it terrified me, to be honest with you. It looked like it absolutely terrified him. And I've still never quite been able to wrap my head around what that experience was. Wow. There's a lot of activity on the, on the street with the homeless. And when I came back from Africa, that was one of the very big uh, things that got me into this because what I what, when I started reading, I started to, to learn about Santa Murte and how the cartel, they, they curse these drugs and, and the majority of the homeless will have a substance abuse issue. There's a lot of drugs out there and a lot of young people, you know, our ex-military, I found that were on the streets mm. and, you know, they, they have a lot of, you know, it's, it was terrible. And, you know, I made a lot of friends with them because they're all alone, but the substance abuse issue was a very big thing I came across that led me more into demonology because now I started to realize the spiritual aspect. They're cursing them. They're trying to get the people addicted more. Um, and people just maybe will, will, will chalk it off as, as mental illness. There's, there's so many variables when, when dealing with people and the demonic. It really is. God, that's heartbreaking. Um, I, I've got to take you back now because you mentioned the the precinct being haunted. And this, I, first of all, I want people to know that's not so uh, out there. Um, Ted Bundy, after his death, was seen haunting a few of the prisons and jails that he had frequented. And the stories in that were crazy. As a matter of fact, they were the police were actually event uh, and, and security and, and guards were told to just shut up about it. They were not to talk about this anymore. Uh, how? Tell me about this, uh, the haunting at your precinct. Yeah, this was this was very very interesting. It was almost movie like. Uh, it really was. So only one of the cops, one or two of the cops, knew what I did. Like I said, I was very private. And so one day I'm down in the office at the precinct, and one of the, the cops comes down, banging on the door. He goes, you, "You know, you better get out here." I go, "What's the matter?" He goes, "Just go outside the precinct." And it's about one o'clock in the afternoon. There's a there's a rookie running around, and he he looks. You know, he's flustered. So I go grab him. And like I said, <laughs> the police in you, right? I grab him. I take him down to the office. I throw on the tape recorder. And I go, what happened? And I start recording it. He tells me he was up taking a nap. He had an arrest the night before. So he's exhausted. He's sleeping. He goes, he, he tried to get up and something was grabbing his legs and wouldn't let him up. So he finally gets up. And then he looks and he sees a black shadow run out of the room. This is in the bunk room on the fourth floor. So I said, okay. He goes, well, you need to talk to this guy too. I go, okay. He happened to be working, this other cop. So I grab him, throw on the recorder. He goes, yeah. He goes, maybe a month ago I was sleeping. One second, Chris. Do you have something talking or banging out by you? I'm listening. I've got my microphone muted because I was coughing. And it sounded like a door slam and... A, a, a noise behind you. I don't know. I didn't hear anything. Maybe it listen to my foot. I don't know. No. No. I don't think so. Very weird. All right. I'm sorry to bring it up. I'm yeah, just curious. No, no. Uh, yeah, yeah. As you're getting into this and discussing it, um, yeah, right. I'll, I'll review the audio. We can do that as well. But yeah. uh, that was weird. Uh, please go ahead. So, so this other officer was sleeping in uh, the bunk beds, heavy metal bunk beds. And he said it got dragged across the floor about five feet. So much that he thought somebody else was playing a joke on him. You know, he gets up going to look for the guy sleeping. He goes, there's no one there. So I said, all right. So now I'm like, what do I do with this? This guy's outside telling all the cops, going crazy. And, you know, I, I know the, the, uh, the staff very well, the supervisors. So I go and I, and I go in the office and, I, and there's a lieutenant in there. And, you know, nobody knows what I do. You know, they just know me as, you know, I joke around and do my job. And I said, listen, you're going to have a problem in a minute. And they're like, 
all right, what are you talking about? And this is the second the third in command of the precinct, this lieutenant. I go, well, you got a, a cop outside. You know, how do you say this? How do you say this to a police lieutenant? I said, you got a guy outside. He's saying he got attacked by, I said, like a ghost. You know, we had, that's how I could say it to her, a ghost upstairs. And he's outside flipping out. And she's like, what are you kidding me? I go, no. I go, he's out there. I said, the only reason I'm telling you is because he's out there doing it. And I said, I kind of handle these things. You know, I have a little experience in them. And now they're all like, what the, fuck? you know, like what's, what's going on here? Right. All the, the sergeants, everybody. And I'm like, all right. So I'm thinking they're all going to joke about it. She gets on the phone. She calls a commanding officer in the other office. Right. I'm like, now I'm like, you gotta be kidding me. I said, how the hell do I get involved in this? He says, do whatever you gotta do, get rid of this frigging thing. Right. So he gives me the, the go to get rid of this. So I go upstairs right away and I'm, and I'm looking around, trying to sense of something there. And this room is, is dark. This room has negative energy. You could feel it. Right. So I uh, actually have a, the friend I was telling you about who's gifted and I start sending her some pictures and I go, listen, you know, you need to look at this. And I'm going to say a name, Elena, right? She never likes to be uh, to known too much, but she needs credit. Okay. And she writes writing back and she's like, yeah, there's, there's a demon here. There's a portal here. There's this. I'm like, okay. You know? So uh, now, you know, it, it's uh, it's a Friday and I go home and I, you know, I tell Harmony, now she can't come with me because it's a police precinct. You know, you can't have just people walking around. So I say, you know, I'm going to have to go in and do something. And this was the first night. Now this kid's telling everybody and my phone's blowing up from retired cops, cops around the country. I said, you got to be kidding me. Right. Because at this time, I'm still private. I'm, you know, and I'm getting rumors that the, the news is going to show up. So mm -hmm. I call this uh, commanding officer and I said, listen, I got to get there, you know, right away. So we make a plan. I go there Saturday night at midnight. So it's a funny story because now I'm, I'm sneaking in. You know, I'm like, nobody really should know I'm coming. I keep right. my bags in my car. I, I go in through the front desk, you know, for the midnight shift. And I'm going, hey, how you doing, Sarge? And the, uh, the cop who sits at the desk on the phones goes, oh, you're here. You're going to do an exorcism. And I go, oh, you got to be kidding me. So now I'm like, this is great. So I get my bags. I sneak them up the stairs, up the fire escape, four flights. I'm still, I don't want anybody to see me. Now, what I don't know what's going on is everybody on Midnight Patrol knows I'm there, and they're all on the radio. They're all trying to get back to see me do this exorcism in the precinct. So, you know, now I'm in there by myself, and I'm going to tell you, and this is the truth, I really don't get scared. It's something if you're, you know, this is something you called to do. And I, I really don't get scared. I'm, you know, I'm cautious. I was scared on this one because I was by myself and I really didn't. There was so there's a bunk room and then there's a little bunk room and this door does not stay open. And that's where the whole incident took place. No lights in there. It's now two in the morning. And so I set up my own camera, you know, my last will and testament, just in case something goes down here. You know, I'm like I'm by myself, but I won't go in that room like I won't cross the threshold. You know, I'm, I'm doing stuff and I won't go in yet because I've never felt anything like that. So, you know, I, I, I start doing my stuff. I'm by myself. You can hear a pin drop. And the next thing I know, I hear somebody say something and I almost jump out of my shoes. And it's one of the cops who snuck up from the midnight. And let me tell you, I, I almost came around with a fist. So right. yeah, I always jump out of my shoes. So I end up doing this exorcism and I, you know, I'm smoke. I'm smoking the precinct out with incense um, you know, they have cameras. So I'm trying to avoid the cameras cause I don't want anybody seeing this stuff. Um, and so, you know, it was over. Everybody kept trying to come in. What happened? So I, I pretty much went uneventful. And when I was done though, I'll tell you, I could walk right in that room. I felt fine. You could feel the difference in the air. Um, now do you, do you believe that this was something demonic or do you believe you know this is a police precinct there's a lot of death there's a lot of bad guys right. that come through here that leave their stink and their yes. their nastiness behind was it a, just a normal malevolent pissed off spirit or do you believe that this was something or maybe you don't even differentiate them i don't know how you do it you know is 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 a malevolent spirit a, a lower form of demonic realm there, there absolutely was i would say a human spirit 
there, mm-hmm. but 99% of the time, but even behind every human haunting you have, there's a, a demonic presence in the background, whether they're showing themselves or not. And, and you always have to be on guard. Even if you, you have a spirit there we're, we're contacting, we're, we're speaking with, there is always something else there because they're looking for a way in. So they're sitting there, they're looking for that, that law of invitation for you to invite them in as you're trying to help this trapped spirit. In this precinct, like you said, and in many precincts, there's so much negative energy. There's so much stressful energy between the cops as well, doing the job every night, you know, bringing mm-hmm. that in. Um, right. Plus, we've had deaths in that precinct. We've had, uh, you know, people we brought in, uh, prisoners uh, pass Suicides, away in there. right, yeah. And we've actually had an officer way back when in the 60s pass away up in that room. Mm. So that is the story. And so now you're, you're putting all this together. You're trying to cross over spirits. You're trying to get rid of the demonic. Um, honestly, it's never truly going to go away because the negative energy is going to continually come into uh, an area like that. So it's it's a wound, right? It's uh, it's a wound that you can keep putting salve and a Band-Aid over, but if you don't keep up on it, it's going to just keep separating and letting this that's with dark everything. energy in. Even every case, and that's what I tell all the people that we help. We can get rid of it now. It's up to you to keep it out. Mm-hmm. You know, it's up to you to keep that energy where it should be. You know, the positive vibes. Keep your house a certain way. You know, come to faith. You know, protect yourselves because that's really what against the demonic. That's what you're going to protect yourselves with. Um, so really, it, it's up to them to, to keep it out. Harmony, uh, have you ever had strange experiences with Chris when you're at home? You know, and and, and you're just in a relaxed environment. Does he ever? Uh, are, are there things that you notice around him? Like, and I don't know how to say this. Obviously, you two have have a level of discernment that's been granted to you to know when you're dealing with the dark and malevolent. But kind of steeping yourself in this as much as your husband does, does he ever come home with things that you uh, notice that maybe he doesn't at first? Yes, yes, absolutely. He has come home sometimes, uh, not necessarily with an attachment, but definitely with. I'd say some sort of oppression or something hanging on him from a case. Absolutely. Yes. I have noticed it. And he has. Is he easy to approach when you do that? Or does he get irritable that I don't have anything, you know, because this thing is kind of leeching off of him. Um, it depends. It depends on sometimes he'll listen. Sometimes it depends how tired he is. Yeah. 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 And I I learned to feel it. Uh, yeah. There, there was a couple of times and you start to know the signs when you don't want to talk to a single person. Mm-hmm. You know, I like to talk to people. I'm not going, but I won't even leave the house. I don't want to say hello to somebody. And the eyes tell a lot. Yeah. You know, and uh, again. And I wasn't trying to beat you up there, Chris, by having no. her say that. I'm just curious because there are some of the people I know that do some of this work in a lay form. Yeah. And they have to watch each other's back because they will notice things change. And sometimes when you approach that person, I think there's something wrong. No, there's not. It's almost like this other thing is starting to puppet master. Sure. Yeah, it comes with experience. You know, I've learned how to ground myself better, how to prepare myself better. You know, it's it's a lot of steps. You know, you can read a lot of textbooks. You can learn from a lot of people, but you got to be out there. And sometimes you learn, you know, uh, baptism by fire of how to protect yourself. I know time's flying by here. I I always am reticent to ask this next question, but I think it has uh, an important value to it. But I also know what a bunch of hypochondriacs many of us are around the world, right? Uh, My question to you is, how do people differentiate between the fact that they might have uh, a ghost or something demonic? If, you know, before they call you, before they they go to the church, is there a way that you would say, hey, you, you know, is it just something that unnerved you? It doesn't mean it's a demonic force. It just might have been a ghost that spooked you because you didn't expect it. I, what kind of advice do you give to people before they need Chris and Harmony to come out? And uh, sounds like a dating service. Chris and Harmony now nine ninety nine to join. But I mean, what what kind of advice do you give to people to actually learn how to put into perspective what they're dealing with? It depends on the activity. So if it is something that I believe is is something low level door slamming, mm-hmm. um, you know, picture, uh, I tell them to keep an eye on it. Um, when I start to get concerned that it may be a difference from something a human spirit will say, or something demonic like an evil spirit, is 
is a few things, but a couple of them are how they're uh, attacking the people. You know, what's happening to the person himself, it's, uh, him or herself, and what kind of then what kind of activity? Because there are different um, strengths between a human spirit and a demonic entity. So uh, a human spirit can't do a lot of things because demonic entities are preternatural. They're above people, but below God. So they do have a different level of, of strength. So, and also you, uh, I'll look at aversions, aversion to religious objects, uh, aversion to the church. So you start to put out these little feelers and, you know, they'll tell me, you know, uh, you know, my cross, you know, bent in half, or, or we had somebody with a, an inverted cross, you know, kind of burn on their arm. Yeah, and they kept coming out. Yeah. So those kind of things, right there, we know we're dealing with a demonic entity. Um, you know, human spirit could be something just trying to get your attention. Um, but you'll know by the level and by the, the level of harassment that you're, you're getting as well. Let's say you get 100 calls this month. Of the 100, how many do you believe are truly afflicted by the demonic you know, I, I, I can't give you a number because uh, I take everyone serious. Obviously, so, right. But I mean, to, just to kind of put people's thoughts in in line, you know, I mean, because yeah. again, I, I talked about the hypo, hypochondriasm, right? And there are yeah, a lot of people yeah. that think they have a demon and I'll talk them through it on the phone. I'm like, why? Yeah. Okay. Could it be this? Could it be that? You know, could it be grandma's ghost that did that instead of a demon, you know, because she just is tired of right. that image of, you know, her ex-husband that she didn't like or, right, right. you know, so could it be something? And, and a lot of times I can talk them down and then two, three years later, I, I meet up with them and they're like, you know, I was sure I had a demon. You talked me off the ledge at night and I've never had anything happen since. Uh, in my perspective, I don't. I think maybe I've I've been on one demonic case in 17 years wow. and I still can't be 100% certain. Yeah, I mean you're right. I mean it could be if if human or demonic, you could be looking at 50-50. You know, mm -hmm. a lot of the, what I get though is interesting because it's people who are caught up with something of the occult. So my my number is much higher. I'll get people right. who uh you know they say they're cursed. Um, they had a witch's coven in their family. Um, they, they, they did the Ouija board and they called out demons. They called you. Yeah, they were trying to conjure they, a demon. They, things like that. So, so it's a little different. When they, you know, I, I guess when they're searching and they're finding, you know, demonologists, they're, they're right away looking for, you know, and they, and they have the, the prerequisite of, you know, uh, of something where they may have conjured up a demon. Um, yeah. So I, I must say, most of them seem like they have. And they're been actually that. like seeing things that look like demons. Yeah, like through a portal mirror. For mirror pictures, a lot of pictures. That, so we're getting those kind of yeah, cases. So that's the most we're getting. So I would say ours are probably fifty-fifty, but for probably most people, you're right. Maybe it could be grandma's ghost. Yeah. Yeah. Is it is it best for people to reach out to you via your Facebook page to communicate with you with any questions, concerns, or fears? They can they can uh, they can reach me personally on Facebook, my name, or the New York uh, the New York Demonic Investigation, or even mm -hmm. I, I got a dedicated phone line. Um, a lot of okay. people call that now. It's five one six seven seven eight three three two four. Um, All right. We'll include that number on today's program okay. guide. Again, please, folks, don't this isn't for you to call up and just pick his brain. This is if you are in dire need, if you're in in trouble and, or you somebody you love, you feel is leave that line for the people that are really dealing with something, not just your curiosity. Chris will appear on shows like this so you can hear questions. And and I'd like to invite both of you to come back again later on this year, and maybe we could talk about other cases and things, because I know our 60 minutes is up, and it's been a, a pleasure speaking with you, and I thank you both for the education and the insights, and for the work that you do, not only in the realm of, of helping deliver people from demonic forces, but in the realm of, of helping the homeless, because that I think that fortifies and strengthens you showing your heart and compassion. And that I think has to work for you to help when you're dealing with the demonic realm as well. Thank, wow. thank you, Dave. Thank, thank you very much. for that. Thanks. Thank you for having us. A pleasure being on your show. Yes. Great time. Thanks. Thank you. We will have you back. I promise. I know okay. I want to talk more and I know there's going to be a lot more questions. So we will do that here in the future on the paranormal 60.
Old Elba got to the gates of hell, said, punch it far up, we'll start you well, singing fire, did a lie, did a lie, fire, did a lie, did a lie, day. Out come a little devil, a dragon, a chain, she picked up a hatchet, split out his brain, saying, fire, did a lie, did a lie, fire, did a lie, did a lie, day. Tonight, we examined an aspect of life that's terrifying, showing the vulnerability of all of us how evil can affect us. Although I, I don't believe there's a devil in all of us, I can see how we can open ourselves to these possibilities. So heed our guests' warnings. I'd like to thank my guests, Chris and Harmony DeFlorio. Please consider helping their work and journey helping others. You can check out the links that we provided below. And thank you all for visiting the Paranormal 60 and allowing me along your journey. May the darkness be a little more light with the information that we shared here. Make sure to like this video and podcast, subscribe, and tell everybody you know about it. And for all of our new listeners, thank you for joining the family. You've been listening to the best in paranormal programming. This is the Paranormal 60 with Dave Schrader. day for an exorcism.